Franklin County has a vibrant history of farming. At the Franklin County House of Correction, we bring that history to life with education and vocational programs around farming and gardening. Incarcerated men and women learn to work an active organic garden. Best of all, they harvest, they send home to help support and feed their families. This is Sheriff Chris Donnellan, and I can't think of better therapy than farming and feeding your family. That's the history of Franklin County, and we honor it at the Sheriff's Office every day. The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Marianne Williamson, A Return to Love. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and each week we're here to share the narratives of people and programs both inside and outside the criminal justice system, the reality of life behind the wall, which you will hear about today, and the stigmas that are carried forward and stories that prove that failure isn't final. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome everyone to this week's The Hustler Files. Today's show, we are on location at the Franklin County Community Justice Support Center. And we're here with Lieutenant Gary Hicks of the Franklin County Jail. And we're going to be also speaking later in the show with Sarah, who is a post-release client, and Ashley, who is still behind the wall, but is in the pretrial treatment unit. So welcome Lieutenant Gary Hicks for allowing us to come together and talk about the perspectives and processes of between these two women and what you do at the jail. May I call you Gary? Absolutely. Great. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at the Franklin County Jail? Sure. Uh, so for the past uh, six, seven years, I've been a unit manager at the jail. Unit manager is somebody that oversees the treatment side from a correctional standpoint. So we're really trying to collaborate with all the different departments. First thing to do is get security on the side of working with clinical, working with medical, working with uh, the educators. So what we're trying to do is tie all the security pieces into that, and that's what a unit manager does. And how long have you been with the sheriff's office? Almost 17 years. October 1st will be 17 years. Wow. Do you love what you do? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's something that I never thought I would do, but it's something that I've grown to love for sure. Now, do you strictly work with the women's unit? I supervise the women's treatment unit, but I also supervise the uh, pretrial men's unit, uh, individuals awaiting sentencing. And today you've been able to bring us outside the wall, Ashley, and we're going to be speaking with her in a little bit. And to arrange that, you had to put her on a GPS? We didn't end up putting her on a GPS. We followed our policies of transporting a pretrial individual so two officers in a marked vehicle armed 
here we are. I didn't even realize you were armed. So that's a good thing, I guess. So explain a little bit about the Bravo pod, because that's all women. And we don't really, in other shows here, been able to feature a lot of women who are both pre and post incarcerated. And I think part of that's because there aren't as many women comparatively to the male population that becomes incarcerated. That's correct. Our running number today is 23. So we have 23 individuals in the Bravo pod unit as of today. It holds up to 71. So compared to a male unit, usually hovers around 65. Yeah, we're on the lower end. But the reason that we have this unit is because Sheriff Donlin looked at what we were doing and said it wasn't working. We had all our women housed at Chicopee, WCCC. And our reentry team was going down there because where's everybody going? They're going back to our communities. So in 2018, we brought the women back, even though it was a small number, because we want them to reenter back into our community from somewhere they're comfortable in Greenfield, instead of grabbing buses and bringing them back from Chicopee, having people go down there and drive them back. So that's where it all started off. And that's really interesting. So just to remind our listeners, typically people are incarcerated where they did their crime, correct? Correct. Uh, what Chickabee did, which it was a great idea, was to have a community correctional facility where all the surrounding counties could send their incarcerated females. For us, it works better with them in our community because of what we have for reentry services here. So Ashley and Sarah are both serving or have one served time, one still is pretrial. They did their crimes in the Franklin County area. Yes, correct. But they're not necessarily from here. Correct. So how long after, and I always re-ask this question because we have new listeners, how long after, let's say with Sarah, who's post-release, how long does she have to stay in Franklin County if she's from another state or from another county? Uh, That's all depending on probation and parole stipulations. But somebody that completely wraps their sentence, they can go home that day. A lot of people decide to stay in this area because of the services like the CJSC where we're sitting, what we can offer. And CJSC is the Franklin County Community Justice Support Center. What other programs does the center offer? So the center offers consistent treatment that lines up with what we do inside. So if we're running groups inside, those groups will line up to what we do out here. The individuals are comfortable sitting through these groups while incarcerated. So to have that smooth transition, it mirrors what we do inside, but always looking for a little more reentry to it. So you'll have individuals that have been clean and sober for years come in and teach the groups with the facilitators, so co-facilitation. It's modeling. So the individuals that are out doing well are coming in and being positive role models for the people that are still transitioning. So the Community Justice Center, you hold meetings here and programs for women and men that are still behind the wall. We do if they're in the pre-release status. So they have to be sentenced. They have to be compliant with our treatment within the jail. If everything lines up with their sentence structure, they can actually come over here. So we already have mentioned Sarah's post-release, and and we're going to talk to her shortly. Ashley's still behind the wall in the pretrial treatment unit. So what does that entail? So we say pretrial treatment unit, but it's really a melting pot the way we're set up. We have pretrial, we have sentenced, we have our pre-release unit and our minimum unit all within BravoPod. So what that looks like on a daily basis is morning meetings. So inmates will get up. They'll have their breakfast. We'll have a morning meeting where everybody comes together. 
we'll do something like a word of a day or a, a phrase or something to motivate at that time. Then throughout the day, classes, I know Ashley currently works in the print shop. So we want a normal day to look inside, to look like something outside. So if you get up in the morning, you have your breakfast, you read your paper, you might go to a meeting, go to work, come back, do whatever you have to do to chill out at the end of the day, go to bed and do it all over again. So my day looks pretty similar and uh, that's what we want there. We also want to bring a lot of structure and structure I always say does not mean discipline. Structure means consistency. So I can't stress enough how great the caseworker I've had in the unit who's a correctional caseworker. So they're uniformed officers, but work in a casework capacity has been to that unit because that individual is always there, always consistent. The message is always consistent. So what is typically the charges for, let's say, these 23 women that are currently incarcerated? Is it something just all based on addiction and that we know goes back to the trauma piece or are there you know, more violent crimes involved? That's a great question because, like I said before, it's a melting pot. So when you have pretrial mixed with sentence, because we only hold individuals two and a half years or less on a sentence, but we could have a pretrial person there with a more extensive charge, and they're going to wait and possibly be sentenced to anywhere from two and a half plus to life. Uh, We offer treatment to everybody. We don't tell somebody they can't be in our treatment unit because of their charges. So that question is very tricky. Um, Again, it's just all sorts of charges. But I would say we were right around 90% of individuals with substance abuse histories that were incarcerated in the women's unit, if not higher at this point. Are the women allowed to have regular visitors and attorneys and people like that come through, or are they regulated to only so many days a week? Yeah, so uh, with the treatment unit, we want it to be more open. We want more contact with family members. So we'll do things. They have their typical visiting hours twice a week. Attorneys can come whenever, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, they can come. One thing we offer is a phase-up system, so you can get through four phases in the treatment. Once you get to phase four, you can have contact visits. Right now, the visits are behind glass, but you hit phase four contact visits. Other things that we brought in, mostly over COVID, that have worked and have lasted is uh, Zoom visits. So I actually offer Zoom visits. Somebody has a family member in California, we can get them on the Zoom so they can see their newborn niece or nephew or something like that. But the internet access is very regulated. It's literally a screen that the, the correctional officer sets up, it's recorded, so we can make sure there's nothing going on that shouldn't be. I know that in a lot of the male units, and we haven't broached the subject yet, but we're going to, there are gangs that are part of prison life. Is it as commonplace with women that there is a gang situation? We haven't run into it at Franklin County. Also, you can see where we are. It's a you know little corner of Massachusetts. Uh, so not, not a lot. So what would you like to see as you continue on your path in, in this role? What are some of the things that you'd like to see implemented that maybe you know are in the works or that you'd like the state to step up with or even more people to know about that they don't know about? I think we've started. We uh, have a new clinical director, Assistant Superintendent Nicole Gurton, who has really looked at Bravo Pod and said, what can we do? What can we change? And we started at the basic level of the phase-up system. So we looked at 
sentence lengths. Uh, woman's sentence length seems to be a lot shorter than uh, a male's at this point. So we're letting women phase up quicker as long as they hit all the benchmarks. So we're starting small and we're always trying to grow, we're always trying to improve. I have to say, I think we have the best re-entry system in Massachusetts, if not the, the country. So we already got that down. I would just say, you know, more people that we can have in from the community coming to teach and show their faces, it's gonna be so much better for the women once they're getting released because if they can make a connection with somebody like the Salison Center inside, and know that's somebody they can go to on the outside. We're already halfway there. And what is the Salison Center? So uh, the Salison Center is here in Greenfield. They have one of their offices. They strictly work with female population and uh, they run groups. They'll support in times of need. It's just an outlet for any woman in the community to go get support. Well, we're going to run out of time with you because we have to get over to Sarah and Ashley. But I always like to ask all of our guests the same question. I believe we all have life assignments. Uh, they change. They can change. Sometimes they don't change. Maybe it goes back to a purpose in life. But what do you think your life assignment is, Gary? Well, so that was uh, definitely a curveball. <laughs> uh, what I'll say is what I want to have happen and what I want to accomplish in my career is for individuals that come into jail to walk out better than they walked in. So if that is a few months of sobriety, if that's a lifetime of sobriety, if that's them learning one thing from all the treatment that we offer and that keeps them out of jail the next time, then I'm doing something right and the people around me are doing something right. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, listeners, sit tight. We're going to be back with Sarah and Ashley, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to This Week, The Hustler Files. Under the leadership of Sheriff Patrick Kayleen, the Hampshire County Sheriff's Office offers medication-assisted treatment for those struggling with opioid addictions. This is Mindy Cady, Director of Medication for Opioid Use Disorders. We want you all to know that we provide community-based support and referral services with our partners at the Northampton and Ware Recovery Centers. If you or someone you know is living with alcohol or drug addiction or just simply needs some direction, we are here and we're happy to help. Stop by or find us at HampshireSheriffs.com. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. As I mentioned earlier, we are here on location at the Franklin County Community Justice Support Center, and we were just chatting with Lieutenant Gary Hicks from the Franklin County Sheriff's Office, and we've brought together two women, Sarah and Ashley, and we're going to start with Ashley and talk a little bit about her experience. She's currently incarcerated at the Franklin County Jail. Ashley, I really want to thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. All right, so just give us a bird's eye view of how long you've been incarcerated and what brought you there. I have been incarcerated since May of last year. Within that time period, I left for like a month and unfortunately came right back. And all of this is mainly due to my addiction and trauma. Well, we know trauma is the basis for addiction. We talk about it a lot on the show. Are you from the local Franklin County area? I'm actually from Vermont, um, Mount Holly, Vermont. And honestly, drugs brought me to Massachusetts, and I haven't left. Now, when you say drugs, are we talking opioids? Are we talking painkillers? I mean, what, what, what level of opioid use were you at? Heroin and crack cocaine. And may I ask how old you are? I am 30 years old. 
Well, you look beautiful and amazing and a lot younger. So something's going right. Now, you've been at the jail, you said, since May of last year. So that would be May of 2022? Yes. And you're still in the pretrial treatment program? Yes, I have not been sentenced yet. Now, while you were on drugs and having your your challenges, did you actually do something that beyond the, the drug use? Did you steal? Did you get in a fight with somebody? Drugs will take you to a certain level that you never thought you would reach. During my use, I have done things that I regret. Since being at Franklin County and it being a recovery center, I have learned a lot. I have learned a lot of coping skills. I have joined a lot of classes that as well teach you the life of recovery and stability and structure and employment They also teach you nurturing and working with your children. A lot of times when you get out of jail, you're so comfortable in in being in that jail. Um, It's stability and it's structure. And drug addicts normally don't have that. So being in that facility, it kind of, they kind of make it feel like home, you know? The staff is great there. They really are. So it's basically a safe haven. Absolutely. Now, I notice you're wearing some makeup. So are you allowed to have makeup and hair products and all of that? On commissary, you can order a lot. It's hair products, anything from bar soaps to Tums to denture cream, you know. But this makeup actually was a gift there. They do bingo nights and things like that, or game nights and if you win, you get you get makeup or you get, you know, certain things like that, mascara, eyeliner. Yeah. Now, I understand you have a job within the jail. I do. I work at the print shop. And what does that entail? We print everything for the jail. All the paperwork that goes through the jail is um, printed by us. It's very important in my life right now. Having a job here is helping me on the outside to sustain a job. Now, you mentioned nurturing. Do you have children? I have a son, yes. And is he here in Massachusetts or is he in Vermont? Vermont. And how about family? Is there a support system for you? To some extent, yeah. Um, My mother, mainly my mom. Now, what's your expectation for when you will get some kind of sentence um i i believe i will get anywhere from five months to a year and they'll take into account the time you've already served yes well i hope you have a really good lawyer yes (laughs) yes (laughs) and last question we ask all of our guests is that i'm a believer that we all have assignments in life and they can change i think mine have changed multiple times but maybe at the end of the day like oprah says we all have a some level of purpose at this point at your age and what you've gone through and what you're still challenged with what do you think your life assignment is I believe in helping others the way they have helped me during this process. Um, I'd like to be a counselor or maybe a caseworker or anything in those lines, you know, especially maybe working with it will keep my mind open to being sober, seeing the other people on that side of the chair where I once was may, may keep me. I need to be. That's wonderful. I wish you all the best of luck. 
Thank you so much, guys. We're here now with Sarah. Sarah is someone who is a post-release client from the Franklin County Jail. And we're excited to chat with her to talk a little bit about what she experienced and what life is like now that she is no longer behind the walls. So, Sarah, welcome to the Hustler Files. Thank you. Do you want to give us a little background on yourself? How long were you incarcerated for? I did. It was just over one year. So it wasn't a really long time well county i think only goes up to two years so yeah what were you incarcerated for if you don't mind me asking alcoholism and drug addiction just acting acting out of my mind and are you from massachusetts originally from this area i'm from orange massachusetts yeah and coming this way has saved my life actually greenfield house of corrections i worked with the reentry team jen brzezinski in particular and um, they offered programs in the jail uh, one that i helped me a lot was dbt um, dialectical behavior therapy and i've continued to take it through their reentry team here since i've been out i haven't been in trouble with the law since i was released from them and that was three years ago and um yeah, I've been I've been sober three years. Congratulations, that's awesome. I have goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from what I hear, it's not just the first in the state, but first in the country with this trying to go um, forward with the um, recovery model and not so much of the punishment. I started my incarceration before they moved the women to Greenfield and in Chicopee. And what a difference how the Greenfield CEO is compared to Chicopee. They just, they treat you like you're, you're a real person. They don't make you feel ashamed. And if you have a problem, you can go and talk to them. And they talk to you like you're, like you're a human being. They offered lots of programs. Um, like I said, DBT was my favorite. Do you have family support in the area or still back in Orange? I do. Uh, my mom passed away last year, so it's been, it's been difficult, but she got to see me sober. She got to see me sober. Oh, that's awesome. How wonderful. Are you currently working? Um, no, I do a lot of volunteer work around the community. Um, volunteer at Stone Soup. I volunteer at the pantry. I do a lot of support groups. I do a, I teach a yoga group here. I did a lot of yoga on the inside. I'm going to be getting my certification soon, so... Yeah, I'm going to continue teaching here. That's wonderful. So you did a yoga program while you were behind the wall. Um, I kind of, I've always kind of been into it. That was part of my routine. What what got me through was um, I got up really early, probably like 4.30, and then went out onto what they call the rec deck, um, really peaceful by myself, and did about an hour, an hour and a half of yoga by myself. Did you have prior training, or did you sort of just make it up as you go, or did you have a book to follow? No, I had prior training. So I've, I've been involved in fitness basically my whole life when I might substance abuse wasn't like out of control. Wow. Do you have housing now in Franklin County? Did they provide that for you? That was the biggest problem was after incarceration was um, housing. I do now. I do have housing now, just a small little um, studio apartment, which is all I need. But that kept like getting me hung up because you have to, at the time I was on probation when I was first released and you have to have a permanent residence and it just... I just wasn't able to find 
anything. You know, I, was, I was couch surfing, and which put me in dangerous places, and yeah. So now you're moving forward, you're doing all of this volunteer, you're going to get your yoga certification. Are you going to use the yoga piece to like start your own business so you can actually make money? Um, actually, I want to go around to like now I know they have um, a section 35 for women in this area. It's that's um, I don't know if people know, but it's it's um, a treatment, but it's not volunteer. You're actually it's almost like you're arrested without being charged and brought. And there's one in the area. And that's I would like to go around to like the, tr- the treatment facilities and offer like um, trauma yoga because I know trauma yoga was a big healer for me. So what is trauma yoga? It's a little bit different than any other kind of yoga in the sense where it's not so much focused on form and alignment but on what you feel in your body opposed to what it looks like. You know many of us come to jail with lots and lots of trauma and we hold that physically and people People don't realize that. And one of the biggest keys of getting recovery is movement to release the trauma that we've held. That's fascinating. So you're the first person I've spoken to that's mentioned trauma yoga. And I think that's wonderful. Um, How far away are you from getting your certification? Oh, I'm just starting. I just talked with Mass Rehab and they're going to pay for it. So the next session, which is won't be till the beginning of next year. That's awesome. So we always ask all of our guests, and you may have already touched upon this, but I'm going to ask it as a question. I believe that we all have assignments of life, and whether that means that it was something we started life with and it changed, or at the end of the day, it is our life purpose. What do you think your life assignment at this point in your life is? Honestly, I just want to give back to one woman what one woman in reentry gave to me. That's really what I, I don't want to like um, necessarily have a job or a title, but just to get out and interact with the community. And I do that a lot at meetings. And also I'd like to help women with eating disorders because that was a big struggle for me too for a long time. Well, I think that's a wonderful assignment of life and I wish you all the best and hope you're able to accomplish your goals. I can see it in your eyes that you're very passionate about what you're focused on and through your sober is to be congratulated. Yeah, it's I'm a totally different girl. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you for joining us today on The Hustler Files. And thank you and thank you to the Sheriff's Office and Reentry. All right, folks, sit tight. We'll be right back. There's more to come on this week's The Hustler Files. Did you know the Franklin County Sheriff's Office has programs to support our seniors? This is Sheriff Chris Donnelly. Our triad unit provides free medical equipment to senior citizens who need help staying in their homes. This could mean the difference between going home after rehab or into a nursing home. Our incarcerated men at the Franklin County Jail work to repair and maintain donated wheelchairs, scooters, walkers, and hospital beds that we then make available to seniors for free. Just another service our Sheriff's Office is proud to provide for you and your family. We are back, and this week's thoughts come from Ayanla Van Zandt. Challenges come so we can grow and be prepared for things we are not equipped to handle now. When we face our challenges with faith, prepared to learn, willing to make changes, and if necessary to let go, we are demanding our power be turned on. And that's another wrap for the Hustler Files for this week. 
I want to thank our guests and advertisers for their continuing support. And as always, you can find all of our shows on the whmp.com podcast page or any of your favorite podcast sites. Have a wonderful week ahead. And remember, don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files. Franklin County Sheriff's Office, our House of Corrections is a no-stigma zone. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'm an Assistant Deputy Superintendent at the Franklin County Sheriff's Office, where we recognize addiction as a disease often rooted in childhood trauma or mental illness. We support, treat, and transition the people in our care with patience and understanding. More importantly, there is no stigma in our house, and I hope you make your house a no-stigma zone, too. For more information on where you can find help, visit opioidtaskforce.org.